Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash Show. It's Election Day 2017. Get out and vote. Even if you don't have an election where you live, get out and vote, damn it. Particularly in Virginia and New Jersey and Washington State. Hello, everybody. It's Tuesday, November 7th. This is the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Uh, oh, those Republicans say, how dare anybody politicize this shooting in Texas as if talking about how to save lives is anything to do with politics. No, it's not. It's about legislators and members of Congress doing their duty to save lives, particularly the saved lives of our children, like that 17-month-old little girl who was mowed down along with 25 others in the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. Come on, people, get it together. Yes, big elections today in Virginia and New New Jersey. Uh, that could very well decide where we go in 2018. At least uh, we'll give uh, one party or the other uh, a little springboard, a little advantage, and uh, give us a chance to uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, make a blow at Trumpism before it spreads any further uh, in this country. We'll be taking a look at that, talking about um, uh, the aftermath of Texas as well and whether we can expect whether we can expect any uh, change there. Don't hold your breath. And Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary in hot water for investment, Russian-related investments, which he still holds as Commerce Secretary, unwilling to let them go. Lots to talk about, lots for you to tweet about and comment on. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Look forward to hearing from you, but first. This is the Full Court Press. All, all right. right, all right. Just a couple of other stories making news. Now, remember, uh, down in Puerto Rico, Donald Trump has sort of forgotten the people that live there. What's well, an island? It's, it's, it's surrounded by water. Yeah. Big water. Ocean water. Turtles that bite. Turtles that bite. Well, this is a very interesting story because while the president of the United States might have forgotten about the Puerto Rico, about the citizens of Puerto Rico, TJ Maxx has not. 
Now, TJ Maxx, which is a, a store, they yeah. have a couple of stores there in Puerto Rico, and they announced that they will continue to pay the employees, even though they're not open and they're not selling stuff, but the people who have jobs there at TJ Maxx, TJ Maxx is going to continue to pay those workers, even though they're not open. So while, again, the President of the United States doesn't really seem to care much about the citizens of Puerto Rico, at least some of their employers do. I, that's a great move. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's very, very cool. I wonder what other, what other businesses have done that. I don't know. That's a good question. Because uh, there's still a, a big part of the island that doesn't have electricity, right? I mean, I keep seeing stories yeah. of people living in the darkness. It could yeah. be until March for certain parts of the island. Jesus. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what was the last time you flew, Bill? Um, Not that long ago, right? No. Uh, when I came back from Charleston a couple of weeks ago. How was your leg room? Do you have enough room on the plane? Well, of course, I always fly first class. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. Well, the New York Times. No, I don't. No, yeah, I know you but don't. But I, I, I usually pay for that little extra space up front. Yeah. In coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, the New York Times has a whole big story about how the room on airplanes it's getting smaller. Oh, yeah. We're having no. less room. And oh, the, no the, say, the, one of the things that they point out it's is disgusting. This, well, this is the issue on your knees. This is an interesting point that they that they make is they say that people want to have cheap flights. Right. And so one of the ways that they uh-huh. make these flights cheaper is by putting more seats on the plane. And so when you put more seats on the plane, it means you have to take yeah. away room from other seats. Right. Uh, Spirit Airlines, they say on their website, quote, we've added extra seats to our plane so we can fly with more people. This lowers the ticket price for everyone, just like carpool. But people are very upset about it. Don't people- ever fly Spirit. No, no, no. Don't ever fly Spirit. I've never done it. I never will. No, I did. I made the mistake of doing that once. Uh, American Airlines had the same problem. They announced they were no, going to make. No, I'm, I'm sorry. If you want a ten dollar ticket, yeah. then don't bitch about not having enough knee space. There you go. Leg space, whatever. There you you go. know. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Election day. It may be an off year, but very, very important elections on this Tuesday, November 7, especially in Virginia and New Jersey and Washington State and many other parts of the country. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Get out and vote. Some places the polls are already open, people already lined up. We're coming to you live on this Tuesday, November 7, from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital and uh, the home base of the uh, Bill Press Show. That's only where we start out because we end up everywhere with you in this great land of ours on the radio, on television. Great to be with you today and online, we should add as well. We're with you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, joining you on Free Speech TV, part of DirecTV out there. If you've got a satellite, certainly join us. You're looking good on t- in TV land today. And wonderful fun to join you in Chicago, the great Ch- greater Chicago area on WCPT and in Indiana Talks uh, in, uh, in the great area of Indianapolis as well. Lots going on today. We will be meeting and talking with the chair of the Democratic National Committee, the chair of the DNC, just about a half an hour from now about these races in Virginia and in New Jersey, Washington State and others, and also about 
the bombshell revelations by former national chair Donna Brazil uh, in her new book, which comes out today, actually. Uh, we'll also be talking to uh, Mike Papantonio. A lot of you know him from the uh, as uh, one of the co-hosts of Ring of Fire. Uh, been around for a long time. A great, a dynamic lawyer with a new book out, uh, and he'll bring him up to get him up to. He can bring us up to date on what's happening with on the legal front with Robert Mueller and others. Great to see you today, and don't forget you're part of the program. We want to hear from you as always on Twitter at BP Show. Uh, and we got to start with the update from Sutherland Springs, Texas. Uh, just, and we know now uh, that it looks like it was a domestic dispute. Uh, the uh, killer uh, in a some kind of a battle with his mother-in-law who attends this church. I guess he figured she would have been there. He sent her some threatening texts, and he decided to take down everybody else in the church. Uh, with her. Um, also, we've learned that uh, we were wondering how a guy like that who had been convicted of domestic abuse uh, actually beating his wife and his child. Uh, by the way, earlier he'd been arrested for beating the hell out of a dog. Uh, how a guy like that could ever um, be able to walk into a store and buy uh, an assault rifle. He should not have been by federal law. Uh, the problem we discovered is that it was discovered yesterday. Uh, the Air Force, who was a member of the Air Force when he was convicted of spousal abuse, uh, and um, the Air Force re for somehow, somehow forgot, neglected uh, to turn that information over to the federal database, and therefore it was not in the database when this man bought his gun. The Air Force uh, has acknowledged its mistake uh, and uh, and needless to say, regrets it. Uh, let me just give you, just to put this in perspective, from the New York Times this morning. One minute, the Holcombs were a tight-knit family praying in the tiny church on 4th Street. The next minute, eight of them, the Holcomb family, were gone, including Brian and Carla Holcomb, the guest preacher for that day, and his wife, dead. Their son, Mark Daniel Holcomb, dead. Their pregnant daughter-in-law, Mark's wife, Crystal Holcomb, gone. Four of their grandchildren, Noah, oh Emily, Megan, and Greg, gone. Imagine that. One family wiped out. Uh, the 14-year-old daughter of the pastor of the church, he and his wife were not there that Sunday. That's why they had a guest pastor. Uh, she, Annabelle, her name was, was also was also killed. Twenty six people killed in all. Um, the from the D Department of Safety, Freeman Martin from the Texas Department of Safety uh, gave reporters uh, the facts on the number of killed and where they were killed. If we have him uh, from yesterday, yeah. There are 26 deceased, 23 in the church, two outside the church, and one at the hospital. Uh, and he says, identifies the uh, uh, the killer, Devin Patrick Kelly. The suspect we can confirm is Devin Patrick Kelly. He is 26-year-old 20, white male. He currently, he was residing in New Braunfels, Texas. 
Uh, and again, uh, just to repeating what I mentioned earlier, uh, it looks like it was a nothing other not international terrorism, no ISIS inspired. He was just pissed off at his mother-in-law. It's a, a, a senseless crime, but we can tell you that there was a domestic situation going on within this family. Um, the suspect's mother-in-law attended this church. Uh, we know that he had made threatened, threatening, uh, uh, she had reset threatening texts from him. Uh, and we also know uh, that this is now ranked as the fourth worst mass shooting in American history. Uh, three out of the last four have happened, uh, of the worst four, have happened in the last year and a half in this country. That's shocking. I know. I mean, just, I mean that, that really is. I mean, if we could just park on that for a second, that yeah. is genuinely shocking. Yeah. That we have done nothing. What do we expect? What do we expect? And do you think it's going to get any better? No. Three out of the last four in the last year and a half. Two out of the last two out of four in the last 35 days. Oh, my God. Think about it. Vegas and here. Yeah. All right. Before that, it's a Pulse nightclub. One more fact. Uh, thanks to CBS News last night. Since the Pulse nightclub, which was about 17 months ago, right? Yeah. I mean, right. Since the Pulse nightclub, 555 mass shootings in this country. Good grief. 555. Yeah, as defined by four or more people being yeah. shot. These are all with guns. These are all with assault rifles. 555. And and what's going to happen? Nothing. Okay. At a school, at a nightclub, at a concert, at church. I would be willing to bet that anybody listening or watching or anybody in this room has been to one of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. In the last year. Absolutely. You aren't safe anywhere. No. No. We as a nation, we're not safe anywhere. No. And you won't be safe as long as you have idiots like Ted Cruz, who shows up at the church yesterday to say, let's not politicize. So you get this all the time from the Republicans. Here's where they go. Let's not politicize this. It is an unfortunate thing that the immediate place the media goes after any tragedy, after any murder, is politicizing it. We don't need politics right now. Yeah, let me tell you something, oh, idiot. God. Talking about the guns that are killing our kids and killing our brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents, it's not politicizing it. It is saving lives. It is public safety. It is making this a safe country where you can go to church. You can go to school. You can go to a country music concert. You can walk in a mall, right? You can shop in a mall without fear of some guy who should have no business by owning a gun, uh, an assault weapon, no more than he would have any business owning a machine gun or a Sherman tank without being afraid that that guy's going to win and blow everybody away. That is not politics. God damn it pisses me off. I want to read a couple of comments really quickly. Uh, this was not that long ago. Earlier this morning, uh, Donald Trump was asked oh, yeah. in South Korea mm -hmm. about whether or not he would consider, quote, extreme vetting for anyone to buy a gun. We, he he yeah, talks we, a lot about oh, extreme yeah. vetting. Oh, yeah. Right. Would he consider extreme vetting to anybody who wanted to buy a gun? First of all, he says that gun control is, quote, a situation that probably shouldn't be discussed right now. No, quote. no, because you know it's a little too soon. Right. And then he goes on to say, uh, if we had more background checks, quote, 
you might not have had that very brave person who happened to have a gun or a rifle in his truck go out and shoot him and hit him and neutralize him. I can only say this. If he didn't have a gun, instead of having 26 dead, you would have had hundreds more dead. Now, that's something that I've seen a lot of, especially on Fox News. Everyone's praising this one guy who Mm, saw Devin Kelly, the shooter, and shot him. I want to be very clear. Devin Kelly shot himself. He shot himself in the head. That's how this ended. And, yes, another guy did chase him down with a gun. But it misses the point. It completely misses the point. The guy had the gun in the first place. Exactly. And had killed 26 people. Didn't stop anything. No. Nobody having guns didn't stop anything. No. Exactly. And the point is, with with the assault weapons ban, that Devin Kelly would never have had that gun. Neither would the guy who shot him. But the guy, he, he wouldn't have had to shoot him because he wouldn't have had the gun. Doesn't Donald Trump He's skipping get over that? that part? Skipping over that part. So instead, the BS we hear from these Republicans. Here's why we'll never no, nothing will ever get done, right? First of all, now she's not a politician, but just to me sums up how clueless these people are. Ainsley Earhart on Fox and Friends yesterday morning, right? She says, "Well, let's look for the silver lining. There's no better place to be shot and killed." than when you're in church. We were saying there's no other place we would want to go in that, other than church because I'm there asking for forgiveness. I feel very close to, to Christ when I'm there. So I'm trying to look at some positives here and know that those people are with the Lord now. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's the expressway. It's the direct route. No middleman, no side stops. You go right from your pew right to heaven. So no better place to be shot, she says than in church, and that crazy governor of Texas, of course, who is in the pockets of the NRA, basically says the same thing. Hey, we don't need any laws. God's going to take care of it. There's one overriding uh, thing that I took away from uh, Mm -hmm. the people Mm -hmm. of Sutherland Springs, as well as the surrounding communities who were there, who knew everybody in that very small town. Uh, And that is, this is an area of the state of Texas, like so many parts of our state. Uh, where people uh, rely upon God more than anything else. And believe me, they were relying upon God mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, how'd that work out? What is wrong with people? How did that work out? Thoughts and prayers. They didn't need any thoughts and prayers. They had a lot of thoughts and prayers. They were praying their hearts out in that church, and look what happened. I mean, it's the idiocy of it. It's just, it's just confounding. And then on, it's idiocy, and it's also just ignorance. Like it, if they, it, if, like yeah, you, it is. It, it, rather than confront the problem and deal with it and find a solution, they'd rather just say, oh, "We'll deal with it later. Maybe this will just work itself out on its own." Yeah, like that's uh, the solution that they're and offering. to show how how far or how little they're. I was going to say how far they're willing to go in doing nothing, or how little they're willing to do. Look at the bump stock. If, if there was bipartisan cries after Las Vegas saying, well, the one thing we can do, we're not going to ban those assault weapons again. Oh, God, no. Heaven forbid. But we'll at least get together and ban the bump stock so you can't t- turn a semi-assault we- a- a rifle into a machine gun. That bill is dead. Gone nowhere. They're back selling bump stocks. 35 days ago, bipartisan cries for getting rid of them. Going nowhere. That's the power of the NRA, and that's the cowardice, cowardice of these Republican legislators. Um, and by the way, I have to tell you, 
Democrats aren't a lot better because the Democrats are letting the Republicans get away with it. They should be raising holy hell. They should be, as far as I'm concerned, they should be sitting down in on the floor of the United States Senate and saying, we're not going to do one damn thing until you people do something about these guns. Where are the voices? What, where's Chuck Schumer calling for that? Where's Dianne Feinstein calling for that? These are the people that were the leaders, used to be the leaders in demanding responsible, reasonable gun safety measures. And do you hear those voices? I heard Kristen Gillibrand on the floor yesterday, but other than her, I didn't hear anybody no, talking they, about No, I mean, this. they should shut down everything. They yeah, should, everything should stop. Total. Everything should stop. If you believe that the government has a role in keeping the citizens of the country safe, right. then everything should come to a grinding halt. Right. So you get the, so there's this. Number, the number one, talking about guns, is too soon. Talking about guns means politicizing the event. No, it doesn't. Or uh, let's trust in God. Just send our thoughts and prayers. That's all we can do is just thoughts and prayers, right? The other idiocy, it comes from, again, Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell both raising the same point yesterday. Well, why should we do anything about guns? The guy in New York used a pickup truck. You know, I would note in New York, we saw a terror attack just this week with a truck. Evil is evil is evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, add up the number of people who've been killed by mass, mass and mass murdered by people with assault weapons versus the eight people who were killed regretfully, tragically, on that bike path in yeah. New York. There's he- no comparison evil is evil is evil that is true yeah and if an evil person with a truck wants to kill they're gonna kill the point is let's make it really 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 hard for evil people to get holds of weapons of mass destruction like semi-automatic guns bump stocks to make those guns automatic weapons like i'm okay with that yeah i'm okay with keeping those weapons of mass destruction out of the hands of evil people by the way, Bill, I know you're fired up this morning. Our listeners are as well. We're hearing from them yep. already on social media this morning. I hope so. We'll start in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Kyle says, our country is the only country with these mass killings happening at this rate. And they say we can't talk about fixing this problem. Of course, the they in this instance is the Republicans. Uh, Susan says, ever since they dropped the ban on those weapons in 2004, we have had many more of these attacks. This is a weapon of GD war, folks. And one comment from our Twitter account, Twitter at BP Show, Brian says, Republicans who whine about lax laws for terrorism and immigration tell us gun laws won't work because the bad guys ignore them. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that's a uh, reasonable solution from the Republicans. So keep those comments coming in at BP Show on Twitter and in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. It is hard to talk about anything else, but there are other things happening. Thanks, Jamie. Other things happening in the news today. Um, we mentioned yesterday the latest um, ABC Washington Post poll, which showed uh, Donald Trump at an all-time low of 37% approval rating, uh, could it get any lower than that? It just did. A CNN is out with its latest poll, um, which shows Donald Trump at a 36 percent approval rating, which is the lowest for any president since 1946. And Harry S. Truman, uh, it is 36 um, percent approve of the a job Donald Trump is doing. Fifty eight percent of Americans 
uh, disapprove of the job is doing as president. Uh, by the way, at his 100th day, um, 100 days of his presidency, uh, Donald Trump was riding high uh, at a 44 percent, which is still pretty damn low, 44 percent approval ratings. Since then, it has sunk down to 36 percent in this latest uh, uh, CNN poll. Um, and in that same poll, people were asked, do you think the Robert Mueller investigation, the Russian investigation, is serious or a witch hunt? 64 percent said it is serious. Donald Trump not selling his point that it's just a pure uh, witch hunt. Uh, if you look inside the CNN poll, which I did a little bit this morning, you'll see that um, Donald Trump's base, the people who voted for him, are still like with him. I don't know how much longer, how much longer could they be, but everybody else has gone down. Independents, people on the sidelines, whatever, moderate Republicans, every, every other category has gone down. Uh, just the Trump voters are the ones who stay with him. But everybody else going down, that leaves him at 36 percent uh, approval rating, um, which uh, <clears throat> not even Donald Trump, I think, uh, could find any uh, good news Good news in. Uh, on a couple of other matters, uh, we, uh, we mentioned yesterday uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, suffering five broken ribs and uh, facial injuries after being tackled by his neighbor. Uh, we wondered what that was all about. Uh, it turns out... This is a weird story, man. Right. It turns out it was what his, uh, the neighbors, uh, who was a doctor, his attorney said was over a trivial matter. Uh, and um, neighbors have reported that these two have had a long-standing feud over lawn waste, <laughs> grass clippings. So what you're saying, it was not socialism. <laughs> it wasn't socialism. It wasn't politics. They had a dispute over grass and leaves blowing from one lawn to the other. And I might point out, Rand, remind you, Rand Paul was cutting his grass. So apparently... Grass is flying and going onto the neighbor's side of the fence or the lawn or the hedge or the lot, whatever. And um, this has been going on for a long time. I, I love that the neighbor's lawyer yesterday <laughs> it's spoke. unbelievable. And he said it was a very regrettable dispute between two neighbors over matter that most people would regard as trivial. I hope that the two men can get back to yeah, being neighbors right. as quickly as possible. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. You know what they need? They need a wall. Yeah, they, they need to build a wall. They need to build a wall, right? Right down the property line. Right? Can't you imagine the block party mm. next year, you know, <laughs> Rand Paul with his broken ribs seeing this neighbor? I'm sure they'll get back to being friendly neighbors really quickly. <laughs> right. Uh, also, uh, in in uh, Virginia, um, by the way, I think this lady is probably not one of those uh, who is part of the um, – 36% of, of Americans who still like the job Donald Trump is doing. Uh, I don't know if you've read, or heard about the woman. Uh, she was out for a bike ride. She's a marketing executive. And Donald Trump's motorcade went by. And riding on her bike, she flipped him the bird. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's a picture of her doing so in the Washington Post. She was fired yeah. from her job. I think that's disgusting. It's crazy. I know. It's totally Absolutely. crazy. She's a private citizen. She can do whatever she, on her own time. But they say there's a rule in the book that the employees 
on their job are not allowed to do anything that would be objectionable or uh, political, if you will. She wasn't on the job. And by the way, nobody w- would have known. She gave them say, a heads right. up. She said, oh, by the way, um, you know, I flipped the – I just want that you was to me. know. That was me, right? When you, If you see a picture of that, uh, I, I think that's really – yeah. I mean, come on. If I flip off the president bill, will I get fired? <laughs> or will I get promoted? You'll get a raise. <laughs> I mean, it's not throwing a, sh- a shoe at a president. You know, we saw that before. It's nothing. Right. It's nothing. It's that, that's that's fireable. Perhaps. I have to tell you. So they were I, when I was <laughs> playing golf, I used to still play golf. And early in the morning, I'd go over to uh, Haynes Point here, uh-huh. and often at Haynes Point, I would see. Um, Either George Bush or Barack Obama go by in Marine One on their way to Air Force One. And I, I'm proud of a little American me. I would always look up and I'd go, Mr. President, even for George W. Bush. Oh, wow. If I saw Donald Trump, I'd give him the bird. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I think is a better one? I'd moon him. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, up the ante. Someone's already flipped him off. Now you got to moon him. I would moon him. <laughs> Well, I'm saying this should not. Should Should do a little bonus video for our Patreon. Just wait for the motorcade and turn the camera on and drop your pants. Well, the uh, fun thing would be, though, to get everybody else on the golf course to do it at the same time. That's it, yeah. Yeah, Just line them up. Synchronized mooning. Synchronized disrespect. Put the message across. Uh, Yes. Uh, And somebody else uh, who's not happy, uh, Tom Steyer, uh, the millionaire Democratic activist out in California, who has uh, a um, an ad up um, the, uh, a campaign going uh, to for an, an initiative to sign sign up to impeach uh, Donald Trump? He's been doing a lot of TV ads. I'm sure you've seen them. It's hard hard to miss them. Uh, sign this petition to impeach Donald Trump. He's called on all Democratic politicians to endorse his petition, or he says he'll never support them uh, if they're up for reelection. Uh, or Democratic candidates who are running for office unless they sign that petition. Uh, well, Tom Steyer was running his ad everywhere, including on Fox and Friends, because he wanted to reach that audience and any disaffected Republicans. Uh, it appears that Donald Trump happened to see that ad on Fox and Friends, wasn't happy, called Fox and Friends and complained, and they yanked the ad off of the program, said they would no longer run that impeachment ad on Fox and Friends, maybe on Fox News, I don't know, but certainly not on that show, uh, which Donald Trump watches every morning. Uh, Tom Steyer is now suing Fox News for breach of contract. Man. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Man. You know, it, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's one more one more case where we see who is who is the executive producer of Fox and Friends in yeah. the morning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Do you think he's on the payroll? <laughs> Big, as we mentioned, let's get to it right now. Big election day, even in an off year. A lot on the line in Virginia, in New Jersey, in Washington State, and elsewhere. Nobody better to talk about it than the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez, joining us in studio, starting off a busy day for him right here on the Bill Press Show coming up next. We were saying there's no other place we would want to go and that other than church because I'm there asking for forgiveness. I feel very close to, to Christ when I'm there. 
Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, we're back here on a Tuesday, uh, November 7. Uh, off year, but a big election year here in the United States of America, particularly in Virginia and uh, New Jersey. Big governor's races there. And we are um, very soon going to be talking to, waiting his arrival, the chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez, about those important elections. And we're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., right across the river from uh, where the big uh, governor's race is in, in uh, Virginia, and brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Girard. The United Steelworkers, of course, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. We salute them. I thank them for their good work on behalf of American working families and uh, thank them for their support of the program uh, as well. Don't forget, your comments always welcome on uh, Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Uh, what do we got, Jimmy? Yes, yeah, still coming in, at BP Show. Brent commenting on <laughs> the Virginia election. Please, please, People of Virginia, get out and vote. None of this, my vote doesn't count BS. It's uh, too uh. close. Hashtag no excuses. Good point there, Boy, Brent. Too close. The latest polls have shown oh uh, Ralph Northam up, but by by whisker. It's you know, close. it's uh, really, really close. And um, and those disgusting Ed Gillespie ads. A lot of people have called them Trumpism without Trump. Mm. Yeah, they came up with this new uh, mo for a campaign is we'll, do, we'll be as mean and nasty and as ugly as Donald Trump. We just won't invite him into the state. Right. For those of you that are not seeing the ads on the Daily, they get pretty vicious. Uh, on the subject of Rand Paul's uh, <laughs> altercation with a neighbor, our buddy Nothing Rome- pisses me off more than lawn clippings coming from <laughs> my neighbor. Mm-mm. Our buddy Romaine says, as a homeowner, I can tell you that lawn waste disposal is real. Hashtag Kofefe. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not sure why he added the Kofefe, but uh, shout out to you, Romaine. And Susan, um, on a more serious note, we began the show, of course, talking about the Texas shooting and the inaction with gun control legislation. Susan says, when you have mass shootings every week with assault war weapons, when is the right time to talk about them? So keep those comments coming in on Twitter at BP Show. And of course, come hang out. In the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press. Uh, my answer is any time is the right time to talk about, but right. especially, especially right after an event like that. So maybe, maybe you won't have to talk about it anymore. By the way, uh, speaking of Twitter and speaking of a topic we're about to start talking about, Donald Trump was on Twitter early this morning to talk about the election in Virginia. Uh, he says Ralph Northam will allow crime to be rampant in Virginia, picking up on a theme that Ed Gillespie has been running with. And he says Ed Gillespie will totally turn around the high crime and poor economic performance of Virginia, which it just we need to point out that the unemployment rate in Virginia is 3.7. Yeah. 
better than the. Uh, it's better than the national numbers. And so if Trump Donald Trump, well, well, but I mean, if he says Ed Gillespie will turn around the economic that performance, he's go, saying it's going to get worse. Yeah, yeah, right. Like we can't just let him say whatever the hell he feels like saying. They just say things that don't mean anything. I mean, if you look at what he's saying, it means nothing. No, no, yeah, completely uh, contradicts his whole argument. And uh, Gillespie um, yesterday. Um, Trying to make the point that this this is a this is an election for the generations. So tomorrow's election truly is not just about the next four years; it is about the next thirty years. Uh, by the way, I would give him that point. It is that's how important it is in Virginia. But he because he could screw things up so badly, right? Yeah. And set Virginia back, which is a great state and has made a lot of great progress with Mark Warner and Tim Kaine and Terry McAuliffe, he could screw things up so badly it would set Virginia back 30 years. Um, so, Ed, maybe you uh, didn't mean it that way, but that's uh, that's exactly uh, the, the, the truth. One story that uh, we didn't have a chance to uh, get to in the first half hour, we'll talk more about. Uh, one more, yet, yet another, um, of the billionaires that Donald Trump surrounded himself with uh, is in trouble, you know. Uh, on money-related things. We've seen Betsy DeVos, some of her holdings, and now uh, Wilbur Ross, the uh, Commerce Secretary, in trouble because uh, he owns a lot of stock in a big company called Navigator, a shipping company, which has direct ties to the Kremlin. And rather than uh, get rid of all of that stock, which cabinet members are supposed to do, put it in trust or whatever, or sell it, Wilbur Ross held on to it, and even had one of his aides in the Commerce Department sitting on the board of Navigator. Uh, but that is for another time and for another moment uh, in uh, the Bill Press Show. As we've told you, this is a hugely important day uh, on the political front with major important governor's races in Virginia and New Jersey and important state legislative races all around the country, uh, which is why we are particularly Happy to welcome to the studio today the chairman of the DNC, the Honorable Tom Perez. Hello, Mr. Chairman. It's good, good to see you. Bill, it is always a pleasure. You're to be going with to be busy, 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 busy man today, Amen. right? Hopping well, around. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I put 700 miles on our car the last three days in Virginia alone. <laughs> in not, Virginia. not an exaggeration. And uh, the energy is infectious. You know, we've knocked on. Yeah, tell us about Virginia first. Let's start right sure. there. Um, I, I feel very optimistic. Virginia is a purple state. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, Terry McAuliffe won by fifty thousand votes four years ago. Uh, Mark Warner had a close shave in twenty fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what mm-hmm. I see this year that's remarkable is the grassroots organizing, the partnerships. We've had thirty three different partners in the progressive movement uh, working together. I was with some folks from SEIU yesterday. Uh, they are all over the state. Uh, we have new partners, new organizations that have emerged. Uh, we at the DNC invested a million and a half dollars. None of it was television. All of it was grassroots organizing, getting folks on the ground, boots on the ground, talking to people. And what's remarkable is we have touched uh, in this election cycle, and the we is everybody, the coordinated campaign has touched over a million voters, twice as many as Terry McAuliffe did. And Terry McAuliffe had a very good uh, mm-hmm. coordinated effort. Uh, but the energy is just so remarkable. I was knocking on doors yesterday, and 
uh, we were doing third pass-throughs. Uh, this is a sign of the energy out there. I think a secret weapon we have, it's not really a secret, um, is the 88 candidates for the House of Delegates. Uh, we not only have great candidates at the top of the ticket and Ralph Northam and Justin Fairfax and Mark Herring, mm-hmm. you know, all of whom are good solid Democrats fighting for health care, fighting for good jobs, fighting for educational opportunity for everybody. Uh, but we also have 88 people running for the House of Delegates. And for your listeners, the, the importance of this is that in, in the past, and this is kind of a shame on us moment, we've only run you know 45 or so candidates in these races. So we, we've literally seated over half of the House of Delegates. There's 100 right. members in right. the Virginia House of Delegates. Never more. And I see this across America. You know, the new DNC is about helping to elect Democrats up and down the ticket from the school board. We're competing everywhere. We're at our best. And there's just some spectacular candidates out there in Virginia that I've been with uh, over the last few days. And so, so important because in Virginia, uh, Governor Terry McAuliffe has really been handicapped by the fact that he's had a very recalcitrant uh, right-wing legislator uh, right, and, and, and unable to get a lot done exactly. because of that. And, and here's, here's the precise makeup. I mean, Virginia is a, a purple state, and yet because we lost the 2009 election, that was a 12-year cycle election— uh, Bob McDonnell was able to gerrymander the heck out of that state. In fact, there was a lawsuit that we won uh, just recently in that state. And so there are 66 Republicans in the House of Delegates in a 50-50 state, 66 Republicans. Voters should pick their uh, leaders. Leaders shouldn't be picking their voters. And that's what happened in Virginia. Interestingly, so we, we need to flip 17 seats. Uh, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a tall order in one cycle. But uh, there were 17, there are 17 House districts in Virginia that are uh, where the Republican has the seat and Hillary Clinton won won the district. So we know where to focus. And again, the most important thing is we've got some spectacular candidates. All right. So Ralph Northam, optimistic, you say, in Virginia, New Jersey? Very optimistic. Again, I was up there. Uh, Phil Murphy's a dynamic uh, candidate. Uh, Sheila Oliver is poised to become the first African-American lieutenant governor in New Jersey history. Uh, She is a dynamic uh, leader and uh, had the privilege of spending time with her. Uh, She and Phil, uh, what a team. And uh, just as Ralph and Justin Fairfax, this is a great opportunity for Democrats. We have uh, two remarkable African-American candidates for lieutenant governor. This is the the future of the Democratic Party in both these states. And then Mark Herring in Virginia, the mm-hmm. attorney general, the, the NRA and all the far right, they, they've poured literally $9 million into the effort to defeat Mark Herring. Uh, and Mark Herring, for your, $9 million for a state for a, attorney general Attorney race. general in Virginia. Absolutely. Wow. And, uh, you know, his, his opponent is... Um, to the right of, uh, you know, uh, Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm very confident that Mark will win. I'm very confident in New Jersey. And uh, we've actually invested in some down ballot races there because we want to make sure that uh, Phil has an even uh, greater majority to govern. We also have a chance in uh, on the uh, West Coast to... to uh to erect the, yeah. the, the blue wall uh, and, uh, and and flip the uh, Washington State Senate. And again, what all these have in common is we've made investments at the DNC. The old DNC just uh, was doing presidential cycles. The new DNC is all in. I spent time. You're referring to a woman named Manka Dingra who uh, is running for the state Senate in a special election 45th, in District 45, District. Uh, which is uh, suburban uh, Seattle. And the uh, good news is that uh, we win that seat, 
we then control the Senate. We already have the House, and we have a spectacular governor in Jay Inslee, and that's exactly the type of investment we need to make, and that's exactly why we did it. Uh, she's poised to win the early voting because people vote by mail there. Mm. Uh, we feel optimistic, but uh, we leave nothing to chance. And uh, I was out there with her campaigning a while back. We filmed a little some Spanish-language stuff because she has a very diverse constituency. I'm really high on her because she's a spectacular candidate. A uh, story on the front page of the Washington Post this morning about a state representative in Oklahoma. Uh, there have been three state legislative races in Oklahoma, uh, all of them districts that were 60 percent Republican Trump. districts. Beat Red Trump. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and we won uh, them all. And, and every, all three of them, Democrats won. You know, and I talked to those Democrats, and, and this is, again— uh, I firmly believe that we can compete in every zip code of this country. And our new partnership with our state parties, we've we've increased our investment in state parties by a third starting last month. And it's not just a blank check. It, it comes with accountability metrics. But we're doing that, and we call our new partnership Every Zip Code Counts, because I believe we can win everywhere if we lead with our values, if we organize. We invested in those races. We, we, we gave money to the state to hire organizers. And what all of those elections had in common is we had great candidates, we had organizers, boots on the ground, and we had a good, solid message. The message in Oklahoma was education because there's some governors, right-wing governors in Kansas and Oklahoma who are engaged in radical social engineering. And people understand that education is the great equalizer. And when they watch their governors dismantling this, uh, when they see Betsy DeVos as our secretary of education who doesn't believe in public education, uh, the voters responded. And that's how we were able to win. And as you know, we we won a seat in New Hampshire, a state Senate special election a few months ago, a seat that the Republicans have held since 1984. We won a special election down in Florida about a month and a half ago. Uh, Again, Republicans won that by double-digit margins. Uh, uh, Democrat wins. Again, same formula. Great candidate, great message, boots on the ground. DNC is indeed supporting these efforts. That's what we got to do. We can do it at scale. The CNN uh, is out with his latest poll this morning showing that Donald Trump now has an approval rating of 36%. What does that mean for Democrats in 2018? Well, what it means is we can't rest on our laurels. We, we, we have to continue to take on the recklessness. This is uh, the culture of corruption in Washington, Bill. You've been so good at documenting. Now, hey, you know, for your listeners' sake, cabinet secretaries can travel coach, okay? I know how to do that. But uh, these cabinet secretaries, because they were part of the Billionaire Boys Club, uh, and I guess one woman in uh, DeVos, they uh, you know, they decided that the they taxpayers have, ought to pay for their private planes. No, and, they have to have their corporate jet, and yeah. then the then the uh, Ex- the second corporate jet to follow them. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Right. But, exactly. But you know, but here's the deal. Uh, I mean, Donald Trump has been a catastrophe on every level. At the same time, we can't simply run by being against Donald Trump. We have to articulate what we stand for, and we're doing just that. Ralph Northam in Virginia, uh, Phil Murphy in New York, they're talking about an affirmative vision of, of job growth, of, of uh, making sure that we all succeed. Shared prosperity is what they're talking about. And, and when we lead with our values as Democrats, as we've been doing on health care, as we've been doing on uh, women's mm-hmm. reproductive health, as we've been doing on, on job creation and, and, and good wages and, and uh, the right to, to uh, organize a union, uh, 
Um, that's when we're at our best. And so I think what we have to do next year is continue to uh, lead this opposition, but at the same time, make sure we're articulating what we stand for. All right. So November 7 is a big day because of the governor's races in Virginia and New Jersey. It's also a big day, Mr. Chairman, because it's a publication date for a book called Hacks, written by your predecessor, the acting, then the acting chair of the DNC, uh, down in Brazil. Uh, we've seen some excerpts from the book. General, generally, what's your reaction? Well, I haven't. I haven't read the book. I've, I've been in Virginia. Uh, but you've read the Jersey. excerpts, and you I've, know I've about, heard about the, excerpts. the excerpts. Yes, and uh, you know, here's here's the. Um, so she says that the DNC uh, that she looked <laughs> into it because she'd heard the complaints, and she looked into it when she became acting chair, and that and into any evidence that the DNC had made basically was tilted toward Hillary Clinton sure. during the primary unfairly against Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders or others. Um, and she yeah. says she found evidence of that. Yeah. Uh, do you buy that yeah. evidence? No, and we what does have it mean? To, we, what we have to do, and, and when I ran for this job, this was the pledge that I took, is we need to make sure that every single candidate and every single potential voter uh, has a strong sense, and it's a sense grounded in reality, that they're getting a fair shake from the Democratic Party. When we, when we are transparent, when we are fair, that's when we succeed, because otherwise we have a crisis of confidence. And I totally get that. When I hear the term uh, rigged, we have to be careful about that, because the Democratic Party doesn't run primary elections, Bills. As you know, states run primary elections. Hillary Clinton won by 4 million votes. Hillary Clinton, notwithstanding Donald Trump's protestations to the contrary, won the general election by uh, the 3 million votes. But at the same time, we have to do a better job at the DNC of, of running the processes for which we have control, which is why uh, during my campaign, and, and we've continued to um, uh, make sure we do this, uh, we're going to put together the primary debate schedule long before we know who the 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 candidates are, because we don't want to create a perception uh, that uh, we're we're somehow uh, scheduling debates to favor one candidate or another. When you do it before anyone gets out, that's one way to uh, to make sure that we're fair. When you make sure we any fundraising agreements, th these joint fundraising agreements, as you know, because you've been involved in campaigns, have been part of the presidential landscape. Uh, for decades, and, and they help everybody. They can help everybody. And we, we've made a, a very strong pledge to make sure they're transparent, the, that everybody will get the same opportunity there. And then right. we've got to make sure that the Unity Reform Commission, we continue to work right. with that, because a lot of folks want to see a, a primary process that is uh, more open and more transparent, and, and the commission's working on that right now. But of course, you were not there at the time, so nobody is saying this was Tom Perez who did this, whatever. But do you accept the fact that at that time, uh, not in, uh, not out in the states, but inside the DNC, that they they were uh, the, they put their thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton. Well, I don't think they gave we, her an advantage. I, I mean, don't think we. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I I tell, well, that's sure. what Donald. That's sure. what Donna Brazil found. Sure. Again, you weren't there, but sure. uh, do you agree yeah. that at the time the DNC was not fair? Well, to I don't. Other candidates? Yeah, I don't think the DNC put its best foot forward during the primary campaign and uh, during the primary season, and it's on a number of levels, Bill. Uh, the, the level that is, I think, uh, and, and number one, it's making sure that everybody feels that uh, they got a fair shake. We have to do that. Uh, and, and they did not. And, 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 and I think they fell short in that regard. But secondly, the, and, and this is what we're also working toward, we have to make sure that whoever wins the primary 
has the infrastructure to succeed. You know, we have invested the new DNC, our commitment to organizing, our commitment to modernizing our technology, our commitment to building a a 57 state and territory infrastructure. Whoever wins the primary election needs to have a voter file that is second to none, a technology infrastructure that enables them to communicate with voters. And, And the reality is, our, our, that sort of infrastructure was compromised. It, it wasn't where it needed to be back in 2016. And so my mission at the, at the DNC, our mission working forward, and I accept this, is to make sure that we're fair in everything that we do, but we're also engaged, which we're doing now. We're, we're helping candidates in Virginia with tech tools, with organizing, with all the, the vital uh, cogs of success. And we find, have to do both. Do you find because of uh, the mistakes at that time that um, there's a lack of trust in the D? I know there is. I, I hear from people. A lack of trust in the DNC. Is that a problem for you? Well, or? let me tell you about this weekend because uh, we have work to do. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, th- again, I'd give you my anecdotes from this weekend. And, and on four different visits that I took, and I made multiple visits this weekend, I had uh, people come up to me uh, and say the following, Tom, I'm glad you're here. I was a big Bernie supporter in the primaries. I see what you're doing, and I know you're trying really hard to uh, unify our party. I appreciated that you appointed Keith Ellison as your first act. That was a really important signal to me, and I am all in to make sure Ralph Northam gets elected governor of Virginia because we have to focus on the future and the task at hand. Literally uh, four different uh, uh, events I was at, people came up to me to say that. And, and I think Virginia is a great example of the fact that we've been making real progress as a party because we had a pretty spirited primary there with two candidates a, and, and they came together. A lot of people are also looking at this reform commission, which has been created, uh, they've made their first recommendations. They're going to be coming to the DNC, uh, and they're looking to you as a proof of your bringing people together uh, that there'll be some changes in superdelegates, in closed primaries, and in other ways to make sure that the primary process is fair to all candidates. Well, I'm looking forward. Uh, the The most recent uh, meeting occurred a few weeks ago. We have another meeting in D.C. in December, and uh, I've been the, the two uh, co-chairs, Jen O'Malley Dillon and uh, Larry Cohen, uh, I think have been great leaders of this effort. I, I'm in contact with them frequently, and we look forward to moving forward because we have to make sure that the primary election process and, and the broader election process is fair to everyone, including we have to redouble our efforts to make sure that all eligible voters can cast their votes. I mean, in, yeah. in Virginia last night, uh, all the voter suppression stuff began. I, I spoke to a woman whose husband had gotten a call uh, directing him to the wrong precinct, there have been leafleting uh, where they're 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 going to African American churches with voter let suppression me, leaflets, and and we uh, as a party have to take that on head let me, on. Let me, let me just jumping us with very little time left. Uh, Don Brazil also said that at one point when Hillary fainted on September 11, 2016, uh, she came up with uh, he started talking about Plan B to uh, dump Hillary and replace her with Joe Biden. Did she have that authority? No, she didn't. Uh, and, you know, again, I have great respect for Donna um, and what she's done for the party. Uh, but with all due respect, that 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 notion was was ludicrous. Um, and and they have, I'm sure some of your listeners supported Hillary Clinton. Some didn't. But I don't think anybody can 
uh, argue with the fact that Hillary Clinton was a tireless senator. She was a tireless secretary of state spanning the globe. She was a tireless campaigner. I know I would work myself sometimes on the campaign. When I when yeah. I got to the uh, the DNC election, I had laryngitis because I hadn't slept. Right. The notion that so, you're incapacitated, I, 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 I just, uh, that one I asked to ask, I asked to ask you about merit. one other thing, because I've heard this from some of my friends on the DNC, that you promised to be a full-time chair, mm-hmm. and yet you've accepted a teaching job at Brown University. Isn't that contradicting what you promised? Not at all. If, if you look at my schedule, Bill, I've been in 25 different locations in the last 30 days. I'm working about 90 hours a week. I go up uh, seven times to Brown University to talk for an hour and a half to students about uh, public service because that's where I went to school. So, yeah, the week I go up to Brown, I'm working 70 hours a week. People who know me know that... I've only got one motor, and it's always on fifth gear. And those students have been my focus group on the millennial generation and how we can do a better job of engaging them. So I think I've gotten more out of it than they've given to me. Uh, well, Mr. Chairman, um, you need to be in Virginia. And uh, it's not that I'm far. heading back. <laughs> it's not that far away, but we're going to let you go right now. But uh, thanks for stopping on your way. It's always a right. pleasure, Bill. Thanks. Democrats.org, where you sign this up. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, it's election day. Damn it, get out and vote. Yeah, especially if you're in Virginia and New Jersey and out in Washington State and all those other places where there are important state legislative races. It is the uh, Bill Press Show here on a Tuesday, uh, November 7. Great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got lots to talk about. As always, we're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., Uh, Our nation's capital and our studio right here on uh, Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building with our eye on what's going on there, our eye on uh, what trouble Donald Trump is stirring up uh, wherever he goes. I guess he's in South Korea now. Uh, not going to the DMC, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to They were afraid North Korea would unleash everything they've <laughs> yeah. got. They saw him standing there. Uh, and we're keeping our eye on those important political races, again, uh, the governor's races in Virginia and New Jersey, and watching Republicans again scramble to give any stupid freaking excuse they can for not doing anything about gun safety in this country. Uh, to help us through uh, the news of the day, uh, what great fun to welcome uh, a good friend. Haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, he is the uh, just uh, tremendous, uh, energetic host, uh, co-host of Ring of Fire, Mike, Mike Papantonio, out with another, yet another new book about legal thriller called Law and Vengeance. 
Hey, Mike. How are you? Bill, how are you doing? Good to be here. All right. All the way from... Pensacola, Florida. Pe- yeah. Pensacola. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see you in town. Uh-huh. Thanks for stopping by. Sure. And we'll jump into all the news of the day. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Are you ready to pay more for your insurance? Well, Which, you will be. What kind of? It, you, health insurance. You oh. will be if you are a pot smoker. A pot smoker. I should say this is life insurance, Why? I should say. Oh. So the cost of a 20-year, $1 million oh. life insurance policy, for example, can be as much as five times higher if you admit to smoking pot. Come on. Yeah, five times higher, they're saying. This is just like the ridiculous tax rates that they're proposing for some of these states with, with marijuana. That's right. So, like, some of these states, you are allowed to smoke pot. It's legal. You're allowed to have it. You're allowed to smoke it. You're allowed to consume it in your home or however you do it. But if you say, if you admit to doing it, your insurers can charge you more. That's something that's happening all around the country. The New York Post has a whole big story about it. I think I need a good good lawyer here. <laughs> uh, I think it would be the opposite, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it should be. Absolutely, it should be. I, I'm a little biased. Uh, you know, the Florida, uh, the Florida uh, marijuana legislation passed for medical marijuana and uh, full disclosure I'm in that business we own uh, mm. we own part of that uh, distribution from the standpoint of it uh, being smart well you know it, it was necessary it was absolutely we we there's something called Charlotte's web I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with it but we uh, I early on I, I bought part of Charlotte's web which is uh, which is a marijuana that uh, it's very low in THC and it's really for mm-hmm. children with epilepsy and a client came to me and they said, look, my child is, is having, you know, they're having epileptic problems and, and matter of fact, 50 seizures a day. Ooh. And, and uh, uh, so yeah. a friend of mine named Larry Morris researched it and we found, this, we found a, a, a way to get around it out in Cal- Colorado is where this is manufactured. It's called yeah. Charlotte's Web. Yeah. So it, it, you go to zero Seizures. Yeah. But tell us more about that. But that, but I think you're making no, that's a point. No, it helps a lot of helps a lot of people. One of the yeah. quick story. Right. Uh, call him whatever you will. Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, oh. P Diddy. He has yet uh, yet again changed his name. <laughs> he, he says he has changed his name to Love. <laughs> his name is just Love now. <laughs> It's 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 a little too princey for me. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> he also says that he will accept brother love. If you don't want to call him love, but he's no longer but Puff ha- Daddy or P Diddy, the artist formerly known as. Yeah, exactly. He's just love. <laughs> How do you know on any day of the week what to call him? You never know. Maybe it's, <laughs> you never know. Does they have a name tag? Does he wear a name <laughs> tag? <laughs> P Diddy Love. You know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> your radio on tv and online this is the bill press show yes indeed two big elections today in new jersey and virginia that could uh send a uh, a lot of shock waves around the country uh tight in virginia but looking reasonably good for uh, ralph northam uh looks like a one runaway for uh, phil murphy up in new jersey Great to see everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. It is the uh, Bill Press Show. We are booming out to you coast to coast from uh, our little studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. 
looking at you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Of course, uh, on Free Speech TV, we're there with you as well, coast to coast. And uh, out in Chicago on the great progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT, welcome to uh, to uh, the program. All of you out in Chicago land in studio with us, uh, the co-host of Ring of Fire, uh, Mike Pampantonio, uh, one of your favorites and certainly one of mine. Uh, also um, a noted uh, attorney and noted novelist of uh, the legal thrillers. I haven't read this one yet. I read your first one. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> Law and Vengeance is the uh, new one uh, just out. Mike, it's really good to see you. Good to see you. How Bill. are things going? Well, it's busy out there. You I mean, know, there's you, so many moving it is parts. Busy. There are many parts. Well, I know, and you've got your practice and your and your media career yeah, both that yeah. you balance somehow. Well, yeah, right know. now the opioid uh, the opioid crisis case is what what I'm handling, and so that's uh, you know that's there's a lot involved there. Oh, okay. So tell us about that. Why? How how serious is it, and why hasn't this administration done more about it? Well, it's not just this administration, oddly enough. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, in fairness, you had Obama sign off on legislation that basically told the DEA that they should back off on going after companies like McKesson and Amerisource and uh, Cardinal in Purdue. And they understood, there was no question that the DEA understood that the numbers were way, way out of whack. There was one, there, matter of fact, one of the counties that I'm handling down in, in West Virginia, uh, you had three million people in this general area, and the companies uh, distributed 760 million pills over a period of a year. Good yeah. Lord. So it was. West pretty, Virginia's been particularly hammered. Well, hasn't Ohio it? has. You know, there's an incredible book. It's called Dreamland, and it ta- it really tells the story, and it tells you that really it it, it kind of got on the radar in Ohio, and anybody mm-hmm. paying attention, in, including Congress, including the DEA, certainly knew that what we had was legal drug pushers. They don't look like drug pushers. <clears throat> they wear Armani suits, so we think that they're, you know, everything's okay. Yeah. But uh, we don't throw them in prison when they kill literally thousands of people throughout this country. So I'm working on that case right now on behalf of uh, 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 parts of Kentucky, Ohio, uh, West Virginia, Florida. You're working with the attorney generals in no, this No, I'm working, I'm working with one attorney general, and in, in, uh, our group is working with one attorney general. I don't know that attorney general is the solution to it, Bill. Attorney generals, uh, uh, you know, we handled the tobacco litigation. And it, it was interesting, you know, we, we hoped that when we recovered for them that all or most of the money would flow to the places it was really needed. But instead it ended up in, in, in state budgets. Mm. So what I'm doing is I'm representing uh, myself and a consortium of very, very talented trial lawyers. Um, uh, we're representing cities and counties where they had to, uh, they, they couldn't keep up with the, the costs of what was going on, whether it was dependency courts where children would be taken away because of the addiction problem, whether it was overdoses in hospital, uh, uh, law enforcement. The cost in a typical community was as much as uh, 90 to $100 million that Ooh. taxpayers had to pay. Yeah. And, and so. if you think about it, it's, it's equivalent of somebody coming to your neighborhood, polluting your river, 
and externalizing all of their costs and making you clean up the, the disaster. So that's kind of what uh, that's what I'm up to right now. Yeah. Well, that that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to <laughs> not to mention <laughs> all the other stuff that. Yeah. You well, I, I you know I don't know whether you know it. I launched America's Lawyer with uh, Russian Television. And that is yes, uh, right. that's uh, that's picked up. That's a weekly show, right? It, it's it, a or? weekly show, yeah. Right, yeah. And it's um, you know what I love about it, Bill, is being able. We to call it RT. RT, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. God, God forbid we should talk about no. the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh my God, the DNC goes crazy, don't they? But at any rate, um, the, the 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 beauty of the program is, as you know, in the past I've I've been a, uh, a contributor, as you have, to MSNBC and CNN yeah, and yeah. various organizations, and I always found it very difficult to tell stories where the advertisers wouldn't let you tell the story. I, I recall one situation. Uh, matter of fact, I'm sitting here watching uh, Joe Scarborough on one of the... Your former your law buddy, partner. Huh? My former law partner, yeah. And uh, and so Joe and I were doing a story on... Uh, we were doing a story on a, a type of wood that was arsenic-laced. And so I reported the story on MSNBC and uh, got a call the next day saying we've got to apologize. This is wrong. We shouldn't have done. It. Well, the facts were completely correct. There was nothing that was reported where the facts were wrong. I'm I'm, I'm pretty clear about you know mm-hmm. <laughs> when I do a story like that. And I said no, I'm not going to report. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to do anything. It's a good story. And so the the point is when you have advertisers that put pressure on a, a corporate media entity, whether it's NBC, CBS. You know, they have to call that person on the 50th floor, and they have to say, can we do this story? That's no longer journalism. What you're doing here is journalism. This is, these are public airways. And so the, 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 I looked for the place that I could go and tell stories about pharmaceutical companies that were killing people with dangerous pharmaceuticals or polluters that were destroying waterways and airways. And it happened to be RT. RT America said, yeah, do these shows. And not one time has anybody told me or Ed Schultz or Larry King or any of the people on that network what we can and can't say. I was horrified when I saw these hearings last week where you you had these numb nuts, uh, you know, attacking RT America as if, if as if it's some kind of Russian propaganda entity. What if you wanted to do a story that was critical of Vladimir I've, Putin? And I've the, done it. And the Kremlin. I've done it. OK, let me just be clear. I've done it. And they did not. I didn't get a call from any producer or any executive saying I had to go on an ear and apologize. And see, so that so what's happened here, and it's just the ugliest thing, the DNC got their butt kicked, okay? DNC, by way of John Podesta, who is a total moron, lost an election against the most against somebody that you it's impossible to lose against. Yeah, one but, of the most beatable but, candidates. I, yeah, I just want to point out he was chair of the Clinton campaign. He was not chair of the DNC. But, well, okay, but, he, but he's still a moron, okay, and so <laughs> and so is his brother, okay. So so all of a sudden they lose the campaign. They have to have something that they can say about what's how do you how do you explain it? Well, you know, first the Bernie Bros did it, and then you know Susan Sarandon did it, and Bernie did it, and then the Russians did it, and now it's it's kind of spun out to where the weapons industry has gotten involved in it, and they want a cold war with Russia. That's what this is all about. Mike Pampantonio here. He's he's on fire this morning here. A co-host of Ring of Fire. When you look with your as as a leading trial lawyer in this country, which you are, when you look at the Robert Mueller probe, what do you see? Is this a serious investigation? Yeah, I think Robert Mueller's doing a good job. I think Robert Robert Mueller is a is a legitimate uh person to be doing this. 
what he's doing is it, it's something you would see in a situation. Uh, well, you'd see it with the mob, okay, or, or Enron. You may recall Enron, the investigation. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was no, there was no, uh, the, the, the prosecution in that case wasn't looking for a silver bullet, you understand. There was not going to be any gotcha moment. What ended up happening is there was a series of independent uh, indictments. You know, it might be money laundering, it might be perjury, it might be offshore. It, it could be anything that is, is white-collar, but it may not tie directly to any gotcha moment to where there's a in, – in, in, a, in a criminal case, in a RICO case, for a criminal RICO, there's what's called hub-and-spoke. Hub-and-spoke is where you've got a centerpiece to the investigation, mm. and all of these spokes go out different directions. Yeah. Mueller is smart. He's not really he's not biting on I got to do hub and spoke. He's he's getting into this. He's kicking over a rotten log and, letting it go and all these it... yeah all these rats and roaches are pulling out you know coming out from underneath the log. Now the Dems the Dems think this is great for them. It ain't great for them, Bill. Because because they're looking at the same kind of thing coming at them. Whether it's the uh, whether it's the uranium case or whether it's the GPS case. It's it's a problem for both sides. If if uh-huh. Mueller is really who I think he is, if he's really who I think he is, it's a problem for both sides. If he's not, his legacy will be remembered in a, in a bad bad way. All right. So he's gone. We've got he's got Manafort, Gates. Isn't that his name? Ken? Yeah, Gates. Gates, Gates, Gates right. right. And he's got this guilty plea from Papandopoulos. Yeah. Uh, who else is in his sights? Do you well, think? I think you're looking at Kushner. I think you're looking at Flynn. I think you're looking at people that we haven't even thought about. This little cat, this Papadopoulos. I mean, who's it? This is a kid that's out of college for seven years. He's put in the heart of the of the business of of the Trump campaign. You know, he he's out there thinking hey, he's going to write a book. I mean, this is his this is his chance yeah. of to be relevant. Oh, you know it. Okay, so yeah. if you don't think he had a wire, they catch this little cat, pull him over at the airport. Okay, <laughs> trying to get on an airplane. They say, Mister Papadopoulos, we got something to talk to you about. Well, they wire him up immediately. Okay. Okay? That was that was that was nine months what, ago. You what know? Did, uh, 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 Mueller called him a proactive cooperator or something <laughs> yeah, like that. A, that means yeah, right? he's a, no, he's what you call a self pimp. I mean, you know, he's got he's in this business. <laughs> he's going to sell some books. He thinks you're going to make a movie out. I mean, have you seen this guy? They're not going to yeah. make a movie out of this guy. Yeah. But the point is, somebody's told him this is this is big. This is going to be really big for him, and he believes it. And in the end, I. <laughs> I think he's going to be disappointed. So it's Kushner. It's I agree with you. Kushner. It's Flynn. It's, it could be Donnie Jr. Right? It might be Donnie Jr. And it's doubtful, but it might be. Yeah. Does it go all the way to the top? No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think the best analysis Dershowitz gave a great analysis of it, and I agreed with it. And it was basically to get to the top in a th- this type of thing. I mean, you really have got to have. You almost have to have. Papadopoulos with a wire. Yeah. In know, the Oval in, Office. In the overall yeah, Office. Yeah. yeah. Right. Sitting on Trump's lap. By the way. The other thing is, like, even if it does go all the way to the top, <laughs> then what? Then what? That's exactly right. You know, like, what if what if he's found guilty of being part of this whole thing? And then... You know, well, you he, know what Paul Ryan would say? Well, we need him to sign my tax bill. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, we're, we're better than this. We're very disappointed in this behavior, but we're going to move well, forward. Look, you know, out of this has come... this. It's an hysteria. It is, honest to God, it's a Russian McCarthy hysteria. I, I thought I would never live in this country when I saw such a thing. But the good in it 
that's coming out of it is you're learning a lot about not just these cats. You're learning about how, how Wall Street hides money overseas. You're, you're seeing a lot of white-collar stuff. Look, I mean, if you take a look at what, uh, you know, just, just take a look at one of these indictments. Read it word for word, and you go, my yeah. God, this is how business is conducted? Yeah, right. And by the way, so if you're an attorney and Carter Page is your client, mm. what do you tell Carter Page? Carter he is out there talking to I know. Say, Carter, shut up. (laughs) You say, shut up. He's an idiot. He is an idiot. He is an idiot. I'm all all in on that. I don't know. Maybe somebody's just giving him some bad advice. I don't know whether he's... uh, Sometimes you'll see somebody who's in deep. I used to be a prosecutor. (laughs) I don't know what what the phenomenon is, but they're scared. They think that they can somehow shore up their position by, by a new narrative. And it doesn't work, you know. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, and, um, and Trump with Papadopoulos, George, who I never heard of him. He's <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for like all these yeah. allegations and all these things to catch up with Jared Kushner, and then for Trump and Ivanka to go like, we don't know who Jared Kushner is. <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah, I t- never heard of him. <laughs> I told my daughter, don't marry yeah, this guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly Mister Personality. There's not. You don't have a lot of love loss with that kid. <laughs> right. Uh, are you involved in politics at all in Florida? No, not a bit. No, I, I just, you know, I, I people for some reason latched on this idea that I was a Democrat. I'm not. I'm not a Repu- Sure, not a Republican. I'm just an independent, and I watch. Um, you know, I, I I participate. I if if I've got a uh, if there's a candidate out there that I think needs help, I do everything I can to help them. But as far as uh, running or anything like that, I, I, no, you know, I don't, I don't see that ever happening. But I think the, the, to me, you know, what's happening, what's happened in Florida, and I know it's happened all over the country, is this tribalism has become so bad. The tribalism of I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, and therefore everything that that uh, mm-hmm. that somebody oh. said, yeah, it's Bill. I, it's almost like we're always looking for a hero. Like there's going to be a hero that's going to rise up out of the Democratic Party or rise up out of the Republican Party and all is going to be well. And that even that that's happening together with this tribalism that's killing us, man. You know, we've got to be able to what I do on uh, Ring of Fire and have done for years. Sam Cedar does it. Bobby Kennedy does it. Is we just try to call balls and strikes, man. I mean, it's so difficult. You know, when I started doing America's Lawyer, my God, I got hate mail. You know, how could you be over there with the Russians? What are you talking about? How can I be there with the Russians? I'm, I have a show, a legal show, that goes after corporate America in a way that corporate media does not have the courage or the ability to do. Because their advertisers won't let them do that. And I say, this is why I do RT America, because they allow me to do that. But that's that tribalism. It's people who are Democrats who are saying, oh, my God, perhaps with those people who cost Hillary the election. Hillary cost Hillary the election. <laughs> right. So when you look at Wall Street, right, I mean, we got, we got, the, we got the crash. We know these guys were selling this funny money, mm. right, mm. brought about the crash in 2008, brought this country to the brink of economic ruin. Now we've, we've kind of clawed our way back. But not one Wall Street not one. executive went to prison. Not one. Not one. And they were knowingly, well, I guess I should put that as a question. Were they not knowingly, Bill, deliberately sh- selling phony? You should see the documents. Look, the Department of Justice saw the documents. Eric Holder saw the documents. Loretta Lynch saw the documents. Obama saw the documents. Did nothing. 
and did nothing. Obama runs on this idea, well, by God, I'm going to straighten out Wall Street. Bill, nothing changes culturally until you throw these cats in prison, until you put handcuffs on them and perp walk them. And then 10 years, 10 years later, some kid in MBA school says, well, let me tell you what happened to Joe. Mm-hmm. Joe went to prison. But it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference if you find them. You know, Eric Holder was beating on his shell. Oh, I find all these people. You know, they paid billion-dollar fines. Really? It's a cost of doing business, man. You know, I, I, typical case I handle is like this. Company makes a pharmaceutical, kills 300 people, injures 1,000 people. And they say, oh, my God, we had to pay a billion-dollar fine. Well, you know how much they made? $12 billion dollars. So the billion dollars is a cost of doing business. And, oh, by yeah. the way, you know who pays the billion dollars? Taxpayers. Right. So, so you know, you, you had – look, Holder was one of the worst DOJs that I've seen. Well, it's hard to compare, of course, to Ashcroft. But, or, but, or, or Sessions. Or Sessions, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this everybody thought, he, oh, this is the most active DOJ and Obama's really on our side where it comes to Wall Street. He caved in. That's why he's doing speeches for five hundred, you know, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a speech. I mean, look, we got to be honest, Bill. We can't. We got to get away from this notion of I'm a Democrat, you're Republican. I wear this hat, you wear that hat. We got to call balls and strikes. Well, Holder even said, you know, look, I wrote a book about this called Buyer's Remorse. Yes. You know. yes. But Holder even said um, the equivalent of, uh, we can't. We can't go big. after those people because they're too important to our economy, too right? Big. Or too yeah. important, too, too, too big. They're too yeah. big to too fail. big to jail. Yeah, too big to jail. Yeah, and right. but but here's the point: is, the, the talking point for Obama was early on is I'm going to do something about it, and it it motivated me to raise money for him. It motivated me to try to get out there and have the guy elected, and then I find out it was all talk, just like we've seen with so many presidents. And again, it's one of these issues, Bill where we're always looking for that hero, somebody that's going to pull the sword out of the stone and lead us in a charge. We're always looking for that. That's our nature, and we've got to stop that. We have to ask real questions about who we're putting money behind, who we're putting our effort behind, and just because they give a great speech, they look good, they, you know, they're charming, we've got to get away from that. Bernie Sanders wasn't charming. Bernie Sanders was relatively unattractive, but he was the best candidate in the field in the DNC deep sixty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you believe Donna Donna Brazil that the DNC was? Uh, I believe every word she wrote, and I'll tell you why. Because you, I don't know if you saw her right after the talk. She was so equivocal on the talk shows right after this is start. This started going bad when the criticism started coming out. Go back and take a look wait, at. Wait, I was sitting alongside of her on a lot of those. Panels. There you go. Oh yeah. There you yeah. go. So, yeah, do I believe her? Yes. Do I do I think she has great courage to do this? Absolutely. She understands that you have to deconstruct before you can reconstruct. You have got to go in and tear down all the bad parts to build anything that's meaningful. And you know what? She's going to be criticized about it, but there's no way she's making this up. Everybody had the same conclusion she did without ever seeing the documents, without ever being in the meetings. Well, the first, the first uh, time we, we learned... That what she was saying was true long before her when the uh, uh, the 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 emails were hacked, you know, from the yeah, DNC exactly. that showed that the in, in, internally the staff was all saying, "How can we help Hillary?" <laughs> right, here, right, you know, right. How right. can we how can we knock down this Bernie well, this uh, yeah. Bernie thing? And then she went in and found the documents, the financial documents, where they basically told the Hillary campaign, "So hey, we'll give you so much a month 
for your allowance. Exactly. But you've got to give us control over everything you're doing. Exactly. Well, that, it was Schultz. You know, Deborah Wasserman Schultz. She was asleep at the wheel. She was letting the Clintons run the campaign. And this is what happened. Why? Because we built this aura around Bill Clinton. You know, we forgot the Telecommunications Act that he did. We forgot NAFTA. We forgot CAFTA. Welfare we, reform. Welfare reform. <laughs> we forgot all that because he's charming. He's a great speaker. You've been around Bill. I have, too. You know, and you go, my God, this guy, he's great. Well, okay, but we got to, you know, we've got to do what Mueller's doing right now, kick over the log sometime, <laughs> even though it might be a pretty log. <laughs> Mike, Pep, Mike Pep Antonio with us. Hard to keep up with this guy. Uh, how do people follow you? Ring of Fire? Ring of uh, yeah, fire Ring of Fire. I, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing as much Ring of Fire. Okay. I'm so doing, what's the best place to... <laughs> well, to well, I've got. Where, where does the hate mail go, Mike? <laughs> the hate mail usually not to BillPressShow.com. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, send the hate mail. Yeah, no, to... some, some. <laughs> no, you can send the hate mail to Ring of Fire. That's okay. <laughs> I get some with there. I get some with America's Lawyer. I mean, I get. I, I've okay. got you know the book. I get people yeah. that you know they'll uh, <laughs> they'll send hate mail to the website of the book and you know stuff. But it's yeah. okay. You know, you for every <laughs> for every piece of hate mail I get, I get a hundred. Thank yous. Okay? Now, that's just Don't the truth. be too nice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's some good advice there. <laughs> Don't be too nice. All right. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the book. First of all, how the hell do you find time to write a novel? Well, it's pretty easy. These are all true stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so all I have to really do is I... I is this I, your second or third? That's the second. It's second. a, it's a yeah. contract for four. Uh, the, the, next, the next one is called Law and Addiction. It's about the opioid crisis. And then the one after that is called Law and Terror. And that's about the uh, United States banks washing money for terrorists. And so they're all cases that, that I'm actually handling and that our law firm is handling. That, case, that Law and Vengeance, for example, is, uh, it's, a story, it's a story about a, a, a weapons manufacturer that uh, – Law and Vengeance, mm-hmm. uh, a weapons manufacturer that uh, created a gun site that was defective. And it's called a hologram gun sight, and you're supposed to be aim, point and shoot is with, with the concept, point and shoot. And point and shoot didn't work because it was off at 100 yards. It was a, a off. sight, you mean it's not a, a S-I-T-E, but a, a gun, gun sight. sight on top of a gun. That's correct. Got it. That's Got correct. It. And so point and shoot was off about uh, uh, three degrees for every 100 yards. Oh. And so it was basically useless. Government knew it was useless, by the way. And one of the defenses uh, to the company, one of the company's defenses was, we know it's useless. Uh, they, the government knew it didn't work and they bought it anyway. That was one of the defenses. But we don't see, we don't understand was how. Was it military? Or yeah, it, it was military and it was used for police officers and such as that. And it was a whistleblower that came forward and said, look, man, I know firsthand that uh, what's going on. And the guy was victimized. He was, you know, he had to leave the country at one point just to protect himself. The whistleblower. The whistleblower, yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, the, the cases, the, these books, Law and Vengeance, Law and Disorder was the first book that I wrote. And it was about a case yeah. where, uh, you know, a, 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 a pill that was killing women um, – between 18 and uh, 35 years old to just, you know, all it was was a pregnancy pill, you know, uh, birth control. And it was killing women. And um, the company knew the dangers and did nothing about it. And uh, we ended up handling that case. But there's a lot. I Obviously, I had a lot of intrigue. You know, there's a few. You know, there were no murders in the cases that I've handled yeah. so far. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so you had to add a few to make it a, we, a, we, a better we novel. Had, <laughs> we had a few strangulations here and there. <laughs>
But these are these are stories out of your own practice. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. yeah. The uh, I want to talk to you more about the the gun issue. Mike Mike Papantonio with us. You know him from Ring of Fire, from American Lawyer on RT. That's the uh, mm-hmm. American Lawyer, and the new book, Law and Vengeance: A Legal Thriller, his second in, in this series. Uh, you can find this book, of course, wherever good books are sold uh, on Amazon or preferably your local bookstore. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right. Mike, you can stay around for a little bit. Yeah, sure. All you, right. got, you got room? I'll be here. All right. <laughs> we got room. Uh, and you know how to reach us on Twitter at BP Show, the Bill Press Show, Tuesday, November 7th. A quick break, and then we'll be uh, right back at you. Ultimately, it'll all work out. Because it always works out. It has to work out. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, here we go now. The uh, Bill Press Show. Yes, on a Tuesday, November 7, wrapping up with all of you nationwide. Uh, looking at you on Free Speech TV, on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And, of course, on the great WCPT. We are starting out, end up wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours. But we start out here with a studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., Brought to you today by the um, International Association of Firefighters. Yep, indeed. The men and women of our firefighting departments all across this great land of ours under the leadership of President Harold Schaatberger. They are on the front lines protecting American families every single day of the year. We count on them. They never let us down. And we thank them for their good work and their support of the uh, program. Here in studio with Mike Papantonio. Uh, whom you know from Ring of Fire, from American Lawyer on RT, and from his new novel, Law and Vengeance, the second of in his series about um, blockbuster cases that uh, Mike, Pant- Mike Papantonio has tried. So, um, Mike, I want to ask you, it's hard to get away um, without talking something about uh, the tragic situation that we saw in Sutherland Springs, Texas, mm. on mm. Sunday. Uh, the senator from Texas, uh, Ted Cruz, was on the scene yesterday out in front of the church, uh, and he lambasted uh, not the killer, but people like in the media or even politicians who might dare raise the issue of gun safety. Here's uh, Ted Cruz. It is an unfortunate thing that the immediate place the media goes after any tragedy, after any murder, is politicizing it. We don't need politics right now. So, politis, we're politicizing it if we suggest that maybe, maybe, uh, a guy like that shouldn't be uh, able to have a weapon of war. What's your take? Well, I mean, look. The, and you and I have not talked about this no, issue. No, we, have, so we, we just, haven't. Look, here, here's what we know. We know that what he says plays well for him. You see, it's the, the unique thing about politics with gerrymandering, with the way the process takes place, is all of us listen to that and we say, what an idiot. I mean, you know, the, the first con- conclusion is, what, a, what, a, what an idiot. And we know in our hearts what an idiot. But he doesn't really, it doesn't really matter to him because where he lives and the people that give him money and the people that vote for him, he's talking their talking points. You know, the truth is there's all—we we haven't been 
I say we, I say as a culture, we haven't been that creative in solving the gun violence problem. First of all, we haven't taken the NRA to task like we could do, uh, Congress could do, and will never do as it it is. But more, you know what, what else we haven't done? I mean, look, we haven't paid attention to the underlying causes, which a lot of great sociologists have written about. We got to stop telling kids by way of videos and by way of movies that there's something that that their that their indifference about blood and gore and killing and slashing that that doesn't make any difference. We know that it does. We know the studies say that it makes a difference. Mm. But it's like talking about Harvey Weinstein. You see, you can't really talk about Hollywood because a lot of money comes out of Hollywood. But the truth is, Hollywood. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but John Grisham brought us. You know, he's an attorney and he's mm-hmm. out of Mississippi. Yeah. He brought a case against um, Stone, Oliver Stone, for natural born killer. Did oh, you know yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's and, right. And, he, and he's, because what had happened is the the same type of elements of that killing of that couple in uh, an elderly couple in Mississippi were slaughtered by these nuts and um, psychopaths, true psychopaths. And that it and, and 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 Grisham understood the same thing I'm trying to explain right here. We can't just assume that it's okay to have an eight year old start looking at guns in videos where people's heads are blown off, body parts are dismembered, and say, you know, gee whiz, that that's good for little that's good for little Oliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, little Oliver's turns into a nut. In, in according to some of these sociology studies, now some of them say just the opposite. Some say no, it's a way to it's a way that we can allow them to do that without actually living out what what's happening here. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, when I it's like trying a case. You never look at one moving part. You try to look put everything on the table and you say, okay, there are many moving parts here. And let me see what I need to take care of. The, the gun industry is one. We got to get them under control. <laughs> but the second thing is we got to pay attention to games and. Uh, in, in theaters and you know, in movies. Uh, as much as we've talked about this here on the program, still, uh, last night, CBS News did a little rundown about how frequently we see these things happening now. Uh, and we were talking about it earlier, both Peter and I, shock when you look at these numbers. So this was the fourth worst mass shooting in American history. Two out of the worst, last two of the worst, have happened in the last 35 days. Mm. Las Vegas and, right. and here. Three out of four have last in the last 17 months. So as a, as a people, are we getting just... We're numb to it, aren't we? That's the word I was going to use. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, Kids have are. become numb to it. Yeah, They're indifferent. Yeah. I saw an article the other day but where... I mean, uh, that's a serious problem if we as a people, right, just accept yeah, this I think there's a, I, as the new norm. I was going to say, I think there's a little bit of a difference. I think your, your point is valid, but I think there's a difference between like the video game stuff, the movies and stuff, and just the fact that this is real life. And this isn't kids. This is us, like adult humans looking at this happening and just going like, well, there's nothing we can do. Well, how have we been socialized? I mean, look, a culture, if you look at the American culture, there's different aspects of how we're socialized. We're socialized sometimes that this is that uh, that, that we can be great, that uh, the great American dream is always there for us. We're socialized to believe that we're socialized into that kind of thinking. And we, we're, it starts from a very young age. We're socialized in so many. How do we treat? How do we treat each other? That's that, that we're socialized. That's part of our culture, and and so to say that we're not affected 
by we're not affected by violence when we see when, when we're overwhelmed with violence. And at some point you just become, oh, my God, you know, I'm just indifferent about it. That's what I'm saying here. I, I'm, yeah. I think it's yeah. happening from a very young age. And as we get older, we're saying, ah, you know, yeah, a few heads blown off here and, you know, a few body parts there. I just think that's the way that's the new norm. As you point out, it is the new norm. Right. And we, it, it, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for everything, Bill. And it's not it doesn't just happen. There's a reason because, again, I do believe we've got to get control over the movie industry and the game industry and say, you know what? We have to make an at least an attempt. We may be wrong, but we have to make an attempt to do better with what we're feeding these kids. From a legal point of view, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment, particularly on the part of powerful men, men in powerful positions, mm. preying on women who are their subordinates in some way, has been around for a long time. Why did Harvey Weinstein, why why did that trigger such, such a response? He's such an odious character. <laughs> I mean, just have you ever listened to the guy on an interview? He's, a, he's totally, he's just a, I, I, he's, a pre, he's a predatory pig. Yeah. I mean, he's a piggish, predatory character that we know has gotten a pass. Everybody knows it. Yeah. You know? And, and and I don't. But it's, it brought it, so much else out. I mean, now it seems like everybody's saying, "Okay, now it's open season almost." Yeah. Or now it's okay. He was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back, <laughs> right? Was. Well, what, what's happening? You know, I, I have this this flood, mm-hmm. this flood that's taken place. That would have taken place had somebody stood up for these women to begin with. Had a producer said, or had the <laughs> union. You know, had the union said, no, this is not acceptable and we're going to do something about it. The truth is we've got to be able to say. Because people knew. People knew and nobody supported these women. I mean, nobody, nobody supported them at all. And so without that kind of support, it's a problem. And uh, so all they had to this would have happened much earlier. And that's what's happening now. Now women feel, okay, somebody is supporting me in this and, and I'm going to do something. But if you just leave them out there and they, they, they project, they project the worst things. They project, oh, my God, if I say anything, my career's over. If I do anything, I'm going to live as a pauper the rest of my life. You see, they project these horrible things. And rather than somebody sitting down and saying, you know what, Mary, I'm going to help you through this. Mm-hmm. That's what decent friend. that's what friends do. That's what a, a, a professional professional associates do too and the and the the latest story from Ronan Farrow that was in the New Yorker that just came out yesterday where he details the lengths that Harvey Weinstein went to to try and get these women to keep their stories quiet he hired former Mossad agents and spies Mm. to track these women and follow these women and put out stories about their past sexual encounters put out stories about you know them being nude in the movies as if there's some sort of like I mean that's a quantum leap from saying like they're comfortable being nude in the movies to saying that they're comfortable Mm -hmm. having a sexual relationship with Harvey Weinstein like this is the type of stuff that men in power will do to keep themselves protected and it's it's grotesque the and it's and it's at, at that point it becomes like a conscious effort of these men who do this to at any cost, stay in their position of power. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who they hurt or who they break or how they do it or any of that. They'll just go completely off the edge. Mm-hmm. And it only takes a little bit of encouragement, doesn't it? it takes yeah, right. Some, it takes somebody saying, okay, this is horrible and I'm going to help you. Now think about that. 
all the people who had plenty of affluence, they had plenty of money, they had plenty of ability to sit down with some of these women and, you know, I'm going to help you through this. But no, they didn't. They, they got no help. There are also plenty of people who knew what was going on who could have done something about it, who could, oh, of have, course. Who of could course. have either gone public or, you know, gotten the board of the board of trustees of the company or other mm-hmm. executives in the company to do something and and and, mm-hmm. and did not and yeah. who were who were complicit in this right yeah and i i think that but the flood that you see you see i hate to hear oh my god now everybody wants to everybody wants to uh to uh uh, say that they were molested or you know something happened well it's it's not exactly what's happening here What's happening here is people are finally saying, let me support you in this, and people feel more comfortable coming out to talk about it. Have you had a chance, um, hitting you cold on this, uh, but today the jury begins deliberations in the case of Senator Robert Menendez in New Jersey. Mm. You're an mm. attorney. Have you, have you followed that case at all? I haven't really followed it. I honestly, I, just, it's, I have not followed that case. Okay. You followed the last ten months of Donald Trump. Have you ever seen a? Have you ever think you'd see a president like this one? <laughs> it is. It is truly reckless abandon, isn't it? I don't. You know, when you're. I mean, think about it. We are now at the one year anniversary. Yeah. Of having, we didn't. Yeah. You and I didn't. Right. But the American people electing this buffoon as a president of the United States. Yeah. I mean, I, the the problem, the thing that we missed about Trump was this. I remember. Um, Oh, gee, I'm trying to think of who. Maybe, maybe it was Podesta that came out and said they were, were talking about how the progressives had to fall in line with the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Now he's saying, you know, they they have to fall in line with us because they have nowhere else to go. You remember that? Oh yeah. That okay. Was a... they, they have nowhere else to go. Well, they did have somewhere else to go, and they went to Trump. And this notion of uh, this notion of uh, we we called it all along. Everybody knew the guy was an absolute disaster. All you had to do was spend ten seconds listening to him talk. I mean, you know, he, he he has the vocabulary of an eighth grader. He has the intellect maybe of an eleventh grader. Maybe. Maybe. But the point being, we all knew that. And so what happened? We all got drawn into this idea to where, oh my God, this is going to be a runaway. And we started listening to the comedy shows at night. And, you know, it was just beating the ever-living daylights out of Trump. We we started listening to MSNBC and CNN and what you would call generally what middle America calls the liberal media. And we thought, well, surely they're hearing all of this. And I don't know whether you know this or not, but uh, about, uh, I mean, months before the election, months before, on, on uh, several shows, I came out and I said, Trump's going to win this election. Really? And, oh, my God, you would have thought you would have thought I was I stated heresy. Why did I say it? I said it because we were looking at the left coast and the, the right coast. We're looking at the two most liberal centers in the United States, and we forgot about Iowa and Indiana. We knew the South was going to go with him, right? But we forgot about middle America, man. And so all of a sudden, this guy that, like I say, it doesn't take 10 seconds to know what we're dealing with, but we made this assessment that, gee, it's over, and Hillary's our person. And we just can't do that anymore. We have to be in touch with what's happening in middle America. Right. I mean, uh, and, and, and his message to those people was, you know, you've been forgotten, you've been neglected, people don't care about you. I do. Right. right? 
And um, he, he played to their fear, didn't he? I totally, mean, you know, the totally, the, totally. the the uh, you know the Arabs are coming, or the Iranians are coming, the Syrians are coming. They're coming to the United. They're coming across your borders. Fear drives so much. Mm. Fear is such a such an effective way to make people do things that they shouldn't do. And that's what he's the master of fear. And he had people around him. Banyan is very good at it. Look, take a look. I mean, if you don't read, uh, you know, if you don't take a look at that uh, at that Breitbart's, Breitbart site, I think it's a mistake. I read it every day. I want to know what is yeah. it that's happening over there. What is the message? I started seeing that message early on, and the the message was to Middle America: you know, be afraid, be very, very afraid. And the truth is they bought it, and fear is a very difficult thing. Michael Moore did a great, great, uh, 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 what was it, Fahrenheit 9-11. Mm-hmm. You recall when he talked about about guns, about how it was we were afraid that, you know, in the United States and the South, they were afraid the slaves were yeah. going to overrun everybody, and, you know, so everybody had to go get guns. It, it's that fear card that always rises. It, rises, it, it arose in Berlin in 1939. You know, it it, 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 you have to have it. It's the, it's the, an, an important step to have the implementation of fascism. You got to have fear. Uh, so, um, the question I get all the time, I, uh, I just, just stopped in the other day. I was by myself downtown, stopped in to get a bowl of soup somewhere, and <laughs> sitting at the counter, and this, this diner, and the woman down the road right away says, Oh, Mr. Press, good to see you. What's going to happen to us? How are we going to survive? Yeah. How long is he going to be there? How long is he going to be there? Could be another term. Whoa. Yeah, could be another term. All, all no, this see, go- I say four years, and people think no, no. I'm a traitor. No, he's going to be I'm there. I'm not saying he's going to be out at the end of the year. No, he's going to be there this term. He's going to be there the next term, potentially. What's happening is you have just this ground shift taking place in the United States. People, it's, it's like, you know, it's like we've talked about so many times over the years is in, in the radio business. It's like being that frog in the boiling water. It's boiling now, you see, and we don't know how it got here, but it's boiling. And you've got middle America. They may, yeah, they may say, no, I'm going to vote. When they showed up at the polls, they might have said I'm a Hillary person, but they voted out of fear. They were terrified that... You know, Mexicans were coming across the border to rape and pillage. Uh, uh, ISIS was coming to town in cells all over America. And all of the events that were taking place were, were consistent with that. If you, if you read, if you take a look at Breitbart, today there'll be a couple of stories. I'm just guessing. I haven't looked at it today. But there'll be a couple of stories on the cabals uh, out of Mexico that are now moving into the United States and they're killing, you know, U.S. citizens. You're going to have a dozen stories about uh, uh, about something awful happening uh, from some Arab entity or uh, Mideast entity, whether it's in Europe or the United States. And, and it's, it's constant. And we think nobody looks at it. We think nobody pays any attention to it. They do, man. They do. And we've just got to be... We've got to, we just got to be honest with ourselves. It's so tough to do because it's hard to say. You know what I do on a jury sometimes? In closing statement, I will, I'll sense that they're, that they're really they're bothered by something. Now, what's my choice? My choice is to say nothing and have them go back in the jury room and deliberate with that thing you in their head. You mean they're bothered by something of, uh, to so, do with your case. With my case. Yeah. Now, the other thing <laughs> is to put it out on table. Ladies and gentlemen, I know 
there were things that my client said on that stand that bothered you. I saw your reaction. I saw what mm. I saw what I saw your reaction when he said A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. But you have to put that on the table before they before the jury can start thinking constructively. Yeah. And the same thing holds true for what's happening in politics. We have to put it on the table. We can't be afraid to say it. Like Donna Brazell, she's under fire right now for saying something that's true. And the damn Democrats, the little snowflakes, I mean the true snowflakes, <laughs> that don't under... I mean, I, there's a difference. Between there is a, a difference. There's a difference right. between a Democrat and a snowflake. Yeah. And the snowflakes are out there attacking her. The Democrat says, well, God, she's got a good point. Let's do something to change it. No, yeah. you know I, when you talk about the when you talk about the second term of Donald Trump. I, I just have to, to go ahead. Like the ninety-four people from the Clinton campaign who wrote a letter saying, "How dare exactly?" You know, I, mean, I mean, give me a break. Exactly. They made that. We deal. can do. We can build. We can rebuild. And maybe we don't rebuild the Democratic Party. Maybe we build a party that's more centered around somebody who has who has is in touch with what's happening in the United States, a Bernie Sanders type. I don't know who that is. You know, hopefully it's Bernie. I don't know. <laughs> it could be Bernie. That's a, you know on the on that second term of Donald Trump or whether or not he could win. It's it's sort of like that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over yeah. and over again and expecting a different result. I mean, Democrats screwed this election up. The, the one from the, from a year ago. They screwed that up. They dropped the ball. Donald Trump was the most beatable candidate that has ever run for president ever. And I think there are a lot of lessons to take, of it, but to take away from it, but one of them is you can't just beat the hell out of your opponent and not offer something. Donald Trump, as shallow as it is and as thin as he is in terms of policy and politics and all that stuff, he offered something to Republicans. He said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And a lot of it was played onto their unfounded fears, but he did offer them something. And our candidate spent so much time just talking about what a bad person he is. Well, that's just not going to win an election. Mm-hmm. It's just clear. And so I we got to do something different. I just, and, I, and we've seen a couple of different elections around the country play out that same exact way. Uh, I just uh, have to uh, have to mention. Uh, I've just noticed on the monitor that uh, the chairman Tom Perez left our studio, went mm. right to CNN. He was just hey, on right. the air there at CNN. He put a tie on for CNN. He did, hey, what the hell, man? He did not have. <laughs> I his, put his, Mike I, wore a tie. I, Mike wore his tie. <laughs> right. I Bill say. Press. I'll, I'll say this, and people who've heard you all for so many years, you are truly a great American hero. You are. You know what? You are. Oh, look! I already and, and bought your book. Shut well, up. Well, no, it's worth, it's worth me tell, It's worth me wearing a tie. <laughs> the least I can do is wear a tie. So you and I were both uh, Bernie Bros, right? Would Bernie have won? Could Bernie have won? Yes, absolutely. Bernie had the populist message that Trump picked up on, that Hillary was incapable of speaking. Why? People sensed something about Hillary. They sensed, oh, they, you know, they, they, she gave him the creeps, Bill. I don't know how else to put it. If you talk to, you know, people who were around her, I, I talked to, a, I won't go into detail, but I talked to this, this group that, that they were afraid to look at her. They, they were served, they, they served her. In, in in a capacity, they were afraid to look at her in the eye. You know, there's something wrong with that, Bernie. You want to get out. You know, you want to hug the guy and you want to say, "God, this is my. This is like my uncle. This is like somebody I can relate to." And he's talking about things that matter. He's not trying to scare the bejesus out of me. He's telling me I can do better. I can make. You know, I can make better for my family. I can educate my children. I can have health care. These are things that lift us up. Hillary never got around to that. It was that 
it was basically, I'm running against a dangerous man, and that's the only narrative she was able to pull together. Why is that? Hillary didn't make that decision. Her camp made the decision. Everybody in that camp should be cleaned out, just just absolutely get get rid of them, and never let them run a Democratic Party a, a candidate again. It we, we saw who they are. It wasn't just Hillary. They took a bad personality and made it worse. Yeah. Right. And uh and 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 you watch. You watch. Those guys are still going to end up in Of in, course. In, in other campaigns and other positions it just drives yeah, me crazy. It, yeah. It, it's right. just one They ought to be another. discredited forever. Of course. Right? They'll the be campaign, back. The campaign they ran uh and and the lack of message, the lack of coordination. I mean, I know we had a chance to read the book Shattered. It's all spelled out there. Yeah. They screwed up big time. It wasn't Bernie's fault. It wasn't even James Comey's fault. No, I mean no. He, he was a factor. So no, Com- look, Hillary, factor. Hillary's Hillary's numbers went up. Did you know that after the emails, her numbers went up? It wasn't the emails. It wasn't the Russians. It wasn't Susan Sarandon. It wasn't the Bernie Bros. And until we can be honest enough with ourselves to say this is what this is real. This is the problem. It's like me going to trial and kidding and, and ma- imagining something that is wholly a lie. Me not not visualizing I, my problem. My client has this problem. Mm-hmm. I got to I got to deal with this problem until I deal with that problem. Nothing gets better. And Democrats seem incapable of doing that. Totally incapable. Mike Pampatonio, he is a very, very active and successful lawyer. He is a novelist, his latest, Law and Vengeance. He's a radio talk show host. He's a TV talk show host. I mean, what the hell? You know, you're just, you're just... You know, slacking, man. (laughs) (laughs) Got to work harder. (laughs) That's right. How many hours you put in a week? A lot. You know, fourteen hours a day is is nothing unusual. Yeah, from uh, Pensacola, Florida. And again, people find you on RT with American Lawyer, Uh, Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. Yeah, I'm not doing as much Ring of Fire. Sam Cedar's doing a lot. Farron Cousins and a lot of new talent coming up. Is Bobby Kennedy still part of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He works kind of seasonally. You know. Don't get oh. Bill any ideas, man. <laughs> Working seasonally. Yes. Yeah. Sounding better and better. Uh, and don't forget, again, uh, Law and Vengeance, anywhere, uh, anywhere you uh, get your books, uh, hopefully at your independent uh, local bookstore. Hey, thanks so much, Mike, for Thank coming you. in. Thanks for spending time with us, all right? Really a lot of fun. Haven't seen fun. you in a while. You gave us a lot to think about, <laughs> a lot to react to. Can't wait to, uh, to see the be sponsored. And the rest of the day is all yours, folks. Enjoy it. Make the this most of it. Come back and see the us tomorrow. Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.